0: and we are live and i think we're just going to get right into this um because we got we got a fun show for you guys today um hey everybody welcome to you have to watch this podcast i'm alan i'm ryan and filling in this week for devon who is currently in paris um getting ready for his wedding this weekend uh josh from victims and villains captain nostalgia himself
1: what's going on gentlemen? Um,
0: today we're going to talk about Venom, t- Venom Let There Be Carnage I almost just said Venom 2 uh, the, the Venom <laughs> sequel, we're going to talk about that today We're going to s- keep it spoiler free for the first chunk of the episode um, And then we're going to give a very clear spoiler warning for anyone watching um, But there's a new Marvel movie out, so we're going to talk about it But before we get into that, Josh, uh, Victims and Villains has a live stream event coming up later this month you want to talk about that a little bit let people know what's going on yes
1: yes sir so october 22nd uh the festivities begin on twitch.tv for slash victims and villains it's called horrific hope and basically this is a 48 hour stream uh pledge drive which we are doing to get mental health resources into uh after school programs comic cons horror cons film festivals churches and much more uh, because we want to break down the stigma of mental health and we can't do it alone. So we want you guys to A, let you guys know that you're not alone and that mental health resources are readily available for you. But B, we also want you to partner with us and help us get uh, those mental health resources further and wider than we have in previous years. Um, And this one's really cool because it's going to be a collection of, uh podcasters like you have to watch this podcast uh nerf herders assemble boobies and newbies horror movie nights victims and villains abyss gazing i mean we just have a cornucopia of podcasts that are coming together for this Uh, we also have a just a plethora of gamers that are coming along with this and for the first time ever we're also partnering up with filmmakers to do short film blocks not only are you guys going to be able to, uh, see your favorite podcasts support your favorite streamers, but you guys are also going to get to see, uh, filmmakers showcase their shorts. And the cool thing about it is it's all going to be horror. It's all going to be based around spooky stuff with the exception of one Patreon tied in uh stream. Very cool. Um,
0: and like, like Josh said, we will be part of the podcast, uh, Part of the the, the event Uh, I think we're going to be doing our Halloween Triple feature where we go through Every every holiday or so we like to go through And pick a Holiday themed episode of a TV show That we like that we think the other guys need to watch And I think we're going to do our Halloween One for the live stream And I think we have some good shows picked out This time Um, But beyond that I'm actually going to be Joining Josh for some Of the victims and villains stuff
1: uh, we'll be down our favorite Treehouse of horror episodes. Are
0: we doing, no, we'll have to talk about this cause I, I suggested segments. Do you want to do episodes though?
1: Oh yeah. Segments. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah. It's okay. No, you're right. Yeah.
0: So we'll be doing our favorite, uh, tree of horror segments and then, um, some other stuff as well, but I'll be, I'll also be gaming this time as well. So I, I got a very cool thing set up for this that I'm excited to test out then i'm probably not gonna get a chance to do it before then but it's gonna be a lot of fun so make sure to check us out there um i'm gonna i think i have the the command here but ryan do you have anything to say
2: (laughs) i no not really unfortunately sorry that was kind of on the spot that's okay oh yeah so uh
0: to find out more about victims and villains the links in uh, in the chat here on twitch you can find them on facebook as well at victims and villains um it's gonna be a lot of fun um now we've come to the part of the show where we usually talk about things that we watch this weekend uh that's the whole point of this show today so uh instead i wanted to tie it tie today, tie this segment into last week's episode because one of us actually saw Adam's Family 2 this past weekend, uh, and that was Josh. Um, oh, I'm
1: actually alone for this one. Okay. Yeah, you're alone because
0: <laughs> I, I saw Venom twice, but I did not see Adam's Family. I got my picture taken with the uh, cardboard cutout, but I did Social not Social get... media
1: has lied to me. I thought you yes. saw it.
0: No, I did not. Um, but we talked a little bit uh, – we talked about the first one last week. Just how was the sequel? Because I'm genuinely cu-
1: curious. So I I actually hated the, sequ- the 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 2019 precursor of this one. Okay. And um, I really wasn't a huge fan of it. I actually went back and revisited it before seeing the sequel because reasons, you know? Mm-hmm. and i actually ended up liking it better on the second viewing than i did on the first one and so the the new one in my opinion like i i just it's it's one of the bottom of the barrel uh films i've seen this year it's probably 25 worst films i've seen and if you guys follow me on victims and villains and you guys know all the all the conventions and all of the film festivals i've covered this year whether it's uh the film festivals or uh, just regular films. I've seen a lot of movies this year, and Adam's Family 2 is among the worst that this film is, this year has offered to us. It has uh, no continuity to any of the uh, the original film. It stands alone, and it basically recycles the plot of the first film just in a completely mad scientist way but the way that they do the mad scientist angle feels more al- along the lines of despicable me than it does actually the adams family so it doesn't even feel like adams family uh in 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 its delivery okay
2: well that's so so to me to try to get in my head like the way that you're explaining it it kind of sounds like 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 you said t- Despicable Me and take like Hotel Transylvania 2 and like sew them together.
1: Kind of, yeah.
2: Okay. That's pretty much what I figured from the trailer when they were doing the whole like we're going to go on vacation and I'm like the way this first one panned out I have a feeling this is just going to be a bunch of skits that they try to like put together on one storyline. It's, it's <laughs> like... like
1: it's a complete it's a complete and cohesive narrative My main issues with it is that it just lacks the continuity and the jokes just don't land. Like there's several times where this jokes like it is painful and uncomfortable to kind of see it. And I I (laughs) saw this in a theater with families and the families didn't even laugh. And the last time that that happened, it was Tom and Jerry earlier this year. And that, again, is also one of the worst films that this year has (laughs) delivered to us. I still can't
0: believe in the year 2021 we got a Tom and Jerry film like that just baffles me. Um, <laughs> I mean, they still made them. It was just directed video. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. Um, yeah, I guess. It's, so, Josh, you get to the theater more than than I do. And you see a lot more films like this. Would you say that this year has been very lackluster for family and anim- like family animated films counting like Tom and Jerry and space jam, a new legacy. Like, has there been anything that stands out to you in
1: that genre? Honestly, I always tell people to give new legacy a, a chance just because it doesn't feel like a, it's not a 2021 film view. If, if you judge it by today's standards, you're going to hate it. When you look yeah. at something like venom, venom feels like a 2000, like 5 2006 comic book movie it doesn't feel like a 2018 movie and yeah Space Jam feels that same way it doesn't feel like a 2021 it feels like a 2001 2002 like movie that you know you would be released with like you know Looney Tunes back in action like Mike a lot of that era yeah. of comedy and that's kind of the way that I looked at it and I had a blast with it um but as far as like family go like entertainment goes this year like I haven't seen a lot of like family the entertainment, but a lot of the ones that I have seen I will say uh, agree and say that to me they are really lackluster.
0: Okay. I mean and there's still a lot to come out yet this year too. So, so um
1: Yeah. We're trying to play catch up from last year, so you know it yeah. happens.
0: Um I'm sure the kids were all out there were all love Dune. So uh <laughs> All right. So I think that does it for the opening segment of the show. Let's get right into today's main topic. Uh, Venom, let there be carnage. Um, Real quick, before we get into this this film, I want to establish we are going to keep this spoiler free for anyone out there who has not seen Venom, let there be carnage. Um, There is a major spoiler that we will be addressing later on in the Mm. show. Mm. Um, But we're going to keep it spoiler free for a bit. And um, before we get going, we never actually talked about Venom on the show. The first one we've made jokes about it, but we've never actually talked about our thoughts about it. Um, I saw Venom, the first Venom opening weekend. Same. um, And I saw it with a group of friends. It was the it was a weekend where Ryan and I did the 72 hour film fest in Frederick, Maryland. And I went to see it with the rest of the crew. Ryan had to work the next day, so he couldn't go. Um, but I like, I laughed at parts, but I just thought the first one was very uneven, had a lot of pacing issues, and it took forever to get to Venom. And it just wasn't great. Uh, what were your guys' impress- impressions of the first Venom?
2: Uh, there were definitely patient issues the first time I saw it and but once but once it got to Venom it took me about probably 10-15 minutes to just kind of embrace what they were doing and just have fun with it and not be too critical of it so I mean it's just it just turns into like a, a uh, just like a fun funny movie for me um, I think I saw it at home I don't really remember the first time I saw this I think I saw it Because you and Devin were pushing me to see it.
0: Probably. I remember. Yeah. (laughs) I remember you. I think part of the reason you didn't go see it with us opening weekend was I had just made you watch Spider-Man 3. And you were mad at me for that. So. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's also
2: that, too. There was definitely that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, by the time I eventually saw it and it just you just don't expect much from it just embrace what they're doing with venom and it's fine it's nothing special but it's fine
1: josh how about you what were your impressions of the first venom so much like yourself good sir i saw this opening night i was there and uh i kind of had like real lackluster of Feelings for it, like, I was like, it wasn't Great, but it wasn't good Like, it's it's kind of, like, very, like, middle Of the road, like, a lot of the comic book Movies we, we grew up on, you know Like, there were some, like, great gems Gems in there, and Then there were, like, some, like Real stinkers, where We won't talk about Rise of the Silver Surfer But, um this movie in particular, like I rewatched it in, in prep for for Carnage and I showed my wife it because she was like she wanted to sit down and, and watch it with me. So like having very low expectations on a second viewing because I had those like preconceived notions in my head and i being three years separated from this movie. The second time, like Ryan was saying, like, it's just if you don't look at it as like, you know, Everything else that Marvel's doing, because it's not Marvel, it's it's Sony Marvel, it's it's an absolute blast. Uh, this film, I think, is just kind of, you don't look at it critically, like, it's it's just a fun time. And I do kind of wish that it was, they would get to Venom a little bit uh, quicker, because it seems like the front half of the movie has a lot of, like... Development that they're going through, and then once Venom is kind of introduced, it's like, "All right, now we're going to get to the credits as quick as possible." Okay. And...
2: Yeah. 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 And 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 that's where, like, the, the problem with the first one is that they do a lot of buildup, and then Venom gets introduced, and it's like, "Why did you guys do the buildup? You didn't need to." If this is what, it's like if this is who the Venom character is going to be, I didn't need to be this emotionally drawn into who Eddie is. <laughs> um, and I, I was, a, uh, Alan and I went to go see, uh, the second one, uh, to, to together. And I remember mm-hmm. telling Alan, um, kind of the way that I view the whole, the whole Venom, these, th- these two movies, it's the way you take the evil dead movies. You can either watch the Evil Dead movies and expect to see a, you know, really good horror and be scared, you know, like out of your wits. But then when you watch it and you see the acting in it, for a lot of people it's kind of like, this is kind of silly. So you kind of have to give Venom that leeway that you that, you know, a lot of people give the Evil Dead movies. It's kind of like, yeah, it's in that genre, but it's more just a silly film in that genre. So
0: Yeah. Um okay. All that there's a reason I brought all of that up. Um, cause for me, I feel like a lot of the, the issues that I had with the first venom were addressed head on for the sequel and completely <laughs> fixed, uh, almost too well. <laughs> um, where the first one suffers from pacing issues and is super slow. This one is super fast. Mm-hmm. It's only 90 minutes long. Um, um, but I think it benefits. Like I think the film benefits from this new pace. What did you guys think?
1: Uh, yeah, I I one hundred percent agree. I think that this film needed to be quicker. And um, I, I recently uh, we did it. We victims and villains did an outreach event, and uh, the Snyder Cut got brought up. You know, Justice League versus uh, the the Justice League versus Snyder Cut, and it's like well, the the Justice League sucked and you shouldn't need four hours to tell a singular story. But, you know, I think that everyone looks at like something like Zack Snyder's comic books, movies, and thinks, oh, these films have to hit uh, a certain amount of length and have to have a certain amount of character depth and, and artistry. That's what makes Zack Snyder Zack Snyder. And then you look at the MCU films and MCUs are, you're expecting anywhere between two to two and a half hours. And you're, you have certain expectations, and I feel like for the, the Venom sequel, like there was so much hate coming against it because you had so much backlash against the first one that you needed to make the story tighter, and I really feel like they made the story tighter for the most part. There are some issues that I had with some of some of where the narrative goes, but I think overall they, they used their time really well, and I think that bringing in... Uh, you know a veteran like andy Serkis to direct this was the best decision that this film could have made gollum himself uh <laughs> ryan how about you
2: i i definitely enjoyed the pacing a lot better um it fit the it fit the way that i wanted to enjoy the movie and what i was expecting out of it um so i mean it's pretty much what both you guys said like they fixed the problems. The storyline fit the pacing and they worked on what yeah, they worked on what they needed to work on and they they got it fixed.
0: I, I 100% expect there to be an extended director's cut to this movie. I feel like part of the reason we have I such a short... So. I think part of the reason <laughs> we have such a short runtime uh, is because of COVID. I, I feel like they... I feel like they wanted to get this out as soon as possible. So Sony could have something out this year. Um, and I, I think that's part of the reason why it feel, feels a little bit rushed in spots, but I, I completely expect there to be more of like, like just off the top of my head, the, the scene where they burned down the, the orphanage, like I'm sure there's more to that than them just walking away from a building on fire. Uh, <laughs> Cause that just seems weird. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to say before we get too far into this, and I forget again, um, Ryan mentioned that him and I saw this together. Uh, I saw it Friday night, and then we went yesterday afternoon to see it. And Ryan got the tickets, and I was like, "What does SX mean?" Uh, we saw this in I had screen- no idea. <laughs> yeah, we saw this in Screen X. Josh, have you ever seen a movie in Screen X? She's an AMC. Uh, we saw this at a Regal. Screen X. No, what does that mean? So uh, it projects on the walls beside the screen for parts of the film. So, yeah, it it, it, it was it was very cool. Um, So like the opening scene with uh, with Shriek being taken away and like all of the fight scenes, like the, the project projectors would just shoot onto the walls like an extension of what you see on the screen and it was really cool and i kind of want to go see another movie in this so it's like a full 270 degrees of
1: screen which is amazing it sounds like a near imax experience without actually paying for the price of imax yeah pretty much yeah
2: the one thing so, that was funny yeah, oops. <laughs> yeah. the one thing that was funny though is because they're projecting on the wall, they're projecting where where the emergency exit sign is. So so you know, like you'll look over and all the action, and there you just see like a floating exit sign <laughs> <laughs> in the picture. It's like, oh, hang on a second. That exit sign is actually on the wall. That's not part of the movie. <laughs> I, I'm
0: kind of I'm kind of glad that I got to see see it in Screen X the second time because I was able to like in those scenes where it did project on the walls, I was able to just look at the walls and like try like use like the video production aspect of my mind and be like, okay, so how did they do this? Like, is it did they just really shoot this or is it computer generated? Like, what did they do? Um, and it was just really it was just a really cool experience, Josh. Next time you're in town, we might have to go to Hagerstown so I can show you that. Um, Yo.
1: I'm down for it. I I got the, the regal unlimited pass too. So nice game. 100% for that.
0: All right. Um, okay. So one of the things this film deals with a lot from the second, from the first film is the Eddie and sorry about that. The Eddie and venom relationship. Um, for me, I enjoyed every moment that those two were on screen together and that, Their dynamic dynamic is exactly what I wanted from this movie. What did you guys think?
2: Okay, so I I guess I'll go first. Um, That's why I wanted... I mean, my favorite part of the first one is the Eddie Venom dynamic. And that's what... The bickering back and forth, the... You know, troubled relationship that they have is what I wanted to see more of, and it's what I got. Um, They definitely went a little bit further than I thought they were going to, but I was actually kind of happy about it because it fit that it fit the brand of silliness that I liked in the first one. So i I thought it was great.
1: So, can we get into spoilers? Or can I? Uh, let me just not- let me answer this question. I'll, I'll try my best to answer it without spoilers. Okay. So their relationship is great. The second act of this movie, that middle part is is the the aspect of it. It's one of my complaints about the movie. I, I will be as vague as that. But overall, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, to Ryan's point, like th- I really liked their their dynamic and their chemistry. Like they worked really well to kind of have that odd couple sense of humor yeah but i i always i also think that like while it's one of the film's like strongest points it's also one of the weakest points as well yeah i
0: can i definitely agree with you on the second act the second act does have issues that's probably the weakest spot of this film for me uh, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more in spoilers um let's talk a little bit about woody harrelson as carnage um Jo- Josh, what do you think of of, of Woody
1: Harrelson from Cheers? As My Carnage? dude killed it. My dude killed it. Absolutely. His hairstyle was a little bit goofy. I still have problems with the wig. But... It,
0: it, it's a lot better than it was in that post-credit scene the first time around. Oh yeah, little orphan Annie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
1: But I really think that like he brought like that right kind of like sinisterness to him, but. Uh... Also still had problems with like carnage of the character, but that was mostly just because of the PG thirteen rating. Like mm-hmm. I feel like honestly, like I was here for it, especially from someone that loves horror, like and the macabre. Like the the his like prison breakout scene is among probably my favorite parts in this entire movie. And I felt I was like felt so cheated because I'm watching all this brutality and there's no blood here. Like, it felt very much like I watched the uh, the opening to the Suicide Squad just on, like, a PG rated. Yeah. And I'm like, where where's all the blood and guts that is, like, supposed to be, like, happening here? Like, people are getting broken in half, and they're just walking it off.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ryan, how about you?
2: I, I, I like this performance for it. Um, I'm not, like, I... I... I definitely like Harrelson. I'm not as big of a fan as I think you guys are of him. I definitely think the role could have been played by someone else, but it was good. It was fine. It, it was good. It was just it was one of those things where I feel like they could have gotten a handful of other actors to maybe play a serial killer just a little bit better. But for what they were going for in this film, he was good.
1: Yeah, I think the, the tone of the film is Harrelson because Harrelson – is an actor that I don't think we've ever seen be real too dark, but he's also kind of has a, that comedic edge at the same time. And for the tone of this film, that's kind of like this, like basically almost like a throwback nineties action comedy. Like Harrelson was the, the perfect choice to play carnage.
0: Yeah. The, the, the only part that really took me out of it for his performance was the very opening of the film and, it opens with a flashback to 1996 and they have a different mm, actor playing Woody Harrelson. And I'm like, Woody Woody Harrelson looked old like in 96, like he was, that was when Kingpin came out. Uh, yeah. So it's not like Woody Harrelson looked like, I think they were trying to establish him being closer in age to Eddie, but it just didn't work for me. Cause I know who Eddie, who Woody Harrelson is because of cheers and like everything that Woody Harrelson has done. I know that he's significantly older than Tom Hardy, and I, I that just didn't that fell flat for me completely. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, I agree with the both of you. I think the uh, Carnage stuff was was good, but there could have been more as, as far as violence goes for that character. Um, but I think I think he really did a great job, and just from seeing him in that post credit scene in the, in the of the first one. I was like I I want this to be the movie. Like give me him as Carnage. Like that should have been the first movie. I'm glad we finally got it and got to see it here. Yeah. Uh Do we want to talk about Shriek a little bit before we get into spoilers? Did you guys like her inclusion in this film or
2: I had no idea who she was from Prior to it, so I was like, okay, this is probably someone that I don't know of. (laughs) Like, that's. uh, I mean, she was good. I liked the character, but I was, I, I had no idea that somebody like her was around.
1: I liked the idea of what she was, but to me, honestly, she felt powerful enough to kind of like have her in that opening prologue scene and. We kind of see maybe, like, flashbacks, but we don't meet her until, like, the third film. Mm-hmm. Because to me, like, she just kind of seems very shoehorned in. Like, you have 90 minutes in such a tight narrative. Let there only be one villain. And her two. the I think the actress that played her did a great job, but I just feel like she made the film a little bit too busy.
0: I, I think her main purpose of the film in and, and slight spoilers here is to give something for uh, Cletus and Carnage to be at odds with um, because Cletus loves her, but Carnage absolutely hates her powers because they're sound based. And I think that the, her main purpose in this is to set up like to, to extrapolate that conflict between the two of them. And I think it, it does a good job of doing that, but, um, I mean, she doesn't really have any lines for the first two acts of the film, like until he breaks her out, you don't really get to hear her say anything. Like, she's just, she is just there, and it 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 does seem a little bit wasteful.
1: Yeah, like I want it so much more because that a character like that, like that is sound based, and the first film did such a good job at really telling about how like fire and sound of a certain frequency ruins symbiotes like it's Mm -hmm. basically like they're kryptonite and you know we see that in here done extremely well and i just i don't know like to me like shriek could have been a big bad all by herself and she just feels wasted here
0: yeah okay anything else we want to touch on before we get into spoilers For the film.
2: I never looked at her character that way. And now that you guys are talking about it, I I see what you're talking about (laughs) I see what you're saying. But I mean, as I was watching the movie, I didn't like I didn't think I just kind of just went with it.
1: (laughs) Sorry I ruined the movie for you, right? No, 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 no. no. You didn't ruin it.
2: (laughs) I'll still watch it again with as much enjoyment as I did the first time. I just didn't, you know, like be like yeah, no, she could have definitely held. You know, she, she could definitely hold on as a villain of her own movie.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, I think now is the point where we get into spoilers for the film. Um, in the film itself, everything before the credits, we'll talk about now. Um, so if you haven't seen Venom, let there be carnage. Uh, this is your spoiler warning for the film itself. Um, we're gonna get into some plot details and interactions so if you don't want to know all of that um come back later you can find us on all major podcasting platforms If you're watching us live but um let's get into it um so uh, who wants to go first who has something spoilery that they want to talk about josh i think you had something
1: yeah yeah so i i just want to throw this out there that maybe a suggestion that we like go off live when we get to like the big spoiler. I
0: think I think that's the plan. I think we're going to go okay. offline
1: um because I worked my tail off not to be ruined, not yeah. to have that ruined. No, no, I, I that that is the
0: plan. Else. We will if you want to know like we'll, we'll, we'll go offline for that, but um for this for this segment where we're not everything before the credits we'll talk about.
1: All right. So, honestly, let's Let's talk about the good. Let's let's start off on on a good note, and uh, you know, kind of expanding upon the fact of uh, bringing Andy Serkis in. I think. How do you guys feel? Like, do you guys feel like the visuals were done a lot better for this one?
0: Yeah, yeah, um. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean i I don't really know his stuff as a director because he's done this and the, the the Mowgli movie. Is that what else he's directed? So he's he's
1: done. The, uh, this is his third feature. He's done Mowgli. He's done this, and then he did a film that came out right before Mowgli that was a romantic drama uh, starring Andrew Garfield from, if, if I'm not mistaken. Breathe? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, I mean, he also ha- he also was, like, I think first unit director um or assistant director one of the other two but like he the new Hobbit trilogy like he did a yeah. lot of like camera work with that so like he's done things on like this grand scale um, that we've seen before
0: yeah yeah I, I guess I, I haven't really seen the Hobbit films and I haven't seen his other stuff but I, I enjoyed it like I like him as an actor I think he's I think what he did with this film is really good and I want to see more from him directing uh, Ryan how about you
2: yeah, I mean, I I definitely like his stuff as an actor. Um, I had, you guys were saying Andy Serkis, I'm not the best, you know, like names of actors or directors and putting faces with them. If this is the type of stuff that he does, then yeah, I'll be interested in seeing what he does going forward. The visuals and just the detail of the way the characters looked, I feel like were better in this one than what the last one was.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot more, like, crisper, especially – and I think that you needed that for some of, like, the scenes in particular where they're, like, in the church and Carnage and Cletus are kind of, like, going at it. And just the visual style of, like, how his head pops out of the symbiote, I think that you needed someone who understood the medium of – visual effects, and also, like, the fact that you can convey emotions visually too, I think that sometimes that stuff kind of got lost, and I think for as much issues as I have with this particular scene, there's another scene here in, in here with Venom that he's at the rave, and it's when he takes the microphone from uh, them, uh, the DJ at the time, and... They he basically gives this a whole monologue about how Eddie was wrong and, you know, everyone's going to accept him for who he is. But like his like genuine, like emotional state looks so much better because you have Andy Circus in here. And I think that they went a, they invested a lot more with like the mocap. It feels like and kind of like got to emote a lot of better stuff than just like what we saw in the first film.
0: I, I think the mocap is definitely the key to that with Andy Circus because he's. He's like the the founding father of motion capture because uh, Smeagol and Gollum, they were like, like, he was there when they built this technology for those films. And he has so much experience with it, with those films and then Planet of the Apes. Like he's the go to guy when it comes to this stuff. So I think having that expertise behind the camera for that unit of stuff and just having that. Having that uh, experience behind the camera really reflects on camera later on down the line so
2: so as someone who doesn't know i yes. just know that he did these characters he just wasn't acting in the ping pong balls like he was part of like the development of all of that too. yeah
0: so the way they do it with him is they have cameras on his face and they do yeah, the tracking yeah, yeah. of the face uh, yeah they he was there for the the creation of that system um, the camera system the, the post-production process to do that. Without that, you don't get things like James Cameron's avatar or um...
1: I mean he was also a big uh, help in kind of like the progression of, of even how we see Hulk in the MCU. Yeah. Um, You go through the original Incredible Hulk from 2008. Like, he wasn't involved. I mean, he didn't get involved, I don't think, until Age of Ultron. But you look at, like, Age of Ultron until Endgame, and you look and see how much better they were able to convey emotions with that character.
2: Okay. So he he was working on the development it just wasn't the fact that like they were getting him to put the gear on and act out and then they were developing the tech like he was also in the room developing the tech with with it yes. like he was part of that development okay okay so that part i didn't know i just thought that he just was an actor that you know would be that you know that people knew that he'd be fine with strapping stuff on his face <laughs>
0: yeah he worked a lot i had to look it up to make sure i got the name right but he worked a lot it's with what what we- digital Weta. studios digital okay. studios in new zealand and he helped that like he might not have been the, like the engineer behind the scenes but he was the oh, one yeah. in the gear helping them figure out these systems so okay. he's kind of like the um the orson wells of motion capture
1: i think <laughs> okay is a good way of putting it. Which, uh, by the way, when you go to New York Comic Con this upcoming weekend, please go check out uh, Wedo. Like, they have like an entire like half a floor is dedicated to there. It's amazing.
0: I'll have to do that. Um, so is there any scene in particular that stood out to you guys that you want to talk about? I, I think we, we mentioned the rave scene. Ryan, you had some questions about that. We talked about it a little yeah. bit in the car.
2: Yeah, so I'll just kind of summarize everything. So I get what Venom was saying. He's talking about Eddie and talking about, you know, like how Venom felt that he was, you know, not being treated right and how he needed to just embrace, you know, who he was and everything. But for some reason, my mind, because they were showing the crowd, my mind went to being someone in that crowd with no context to what Venom was talking about and kind of in my mind going, wow, I think I'd be kind of awkward if some guy just got up at a party and started talking about how he was proud to be an alien because my mind automatically doesn't go to outer space alien. (laughs) And so that's where it was like that scene was kind of like that's that would come off a little odd, but I get what he was saying. And I get, you know, again, with the context of the film where Venom was coming from. It was just I was thinking for some reason I put myself in that crowd with no context as to what he was really talking about and going, Wow, some guy's standing up making a political speech at a rave. That's that's cool. Okay, cheer. Get him off the <laughs> stage. I want to dance. Like get him off the stage.
1: <laughs> no, I was right there with you, Ryan. Like, okay, for me, like I was just like there's no context for these people like yes like they're probably like so high on lsd right now that they probably are like it's making like some kind of sense in their head yeah or you know maybe it's like some kind of propaganda that they're like agreeing with but like yeah like i was just like there's no context for this like they don't know who eddie is like what what is going on right
0: now (laughs) For me, I read the whole scene like I read that scene a, a little bit differently. Like, yeah, it's all weird and stuff, but part of me is like, does Venom think that they're all aliens too? Because it kind of reads like that too. Like we are all aliens, and like I don't know if he just thinks they're pe- knows they're people in costumes, or if he thinks they're actual aliens just hiding underground.
1: That's a fair point.
0: Um, which either way, like it, it just makes that scene like even more awkward and hysterical yeah so it works either way any way you look at it, it yeah i think that scene works really well
2: and um, that's where that humor is supposed to be in that scene anyway yeah. it's supposed to be that kind of like awkward like is he going to be shoot out of there are they going to start yelling at him are they going to agree with him so it's one of those kind of like uncomfortable humor scenes yeah so that's definitely what they were going for it was just i wasn't expecting it.
0: yeah that that's definitely <laughs> the highlight of the second act because once you get eddie and venom separated the film kind of comes to a crawl for me. Like it doesn't really. Go ahead, you no have thoughts. thoughts. You finish no. your thought. No, that, that's that was my thought. Uh, like that. That's that's where the second act has issues for me. Once you split uh, yeah, them up, it slows down.
1: I, I don't understand why they get split up in this. And on all honesty, because this, like we said, like this is such a short film. It's so fast paced. Like I understand that. Like there is like development that could have happened here but that development could have been how the first one ended and then they reunite in this the second one like to me i feel like that would have served the exact same purpose but you could have taken that screen time and devoted it like to other character development i i like the idea that venom wants to be out
0: and about like saving the day and eddie's hesitant because he understands the world a lot better than Venom does and doesn't want to have to be chased by the FBI every second. Um so I get the that uh teardown of the relationship and like why you have to have them at odds. Um but yeah it, it, it just feels unnecessary and I it I guess it gives you a chance to have Venom take over some other people which didn't I didn't really need until you got to, um, uh, what's her name,
2: the shop
1: owner?
0: Yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Chan. Chen. Yeah, um, like that. That was another highlight of the second act for me. Like
1: <laughs> I love that scene so
2: much. What I love, the things I like about the separation. Um, I I like that even though Venom was separated. Like, there was no real growth for Venom in that that entire thing. It was just Venom being able to, like, go out on his own. He didn't learn anything about the planet, about being on Earth, and, like, the customs and cultures or anything, because he killed three people. (gasps) Yeah. So, I mean, so, like, he didn't really learn anything about, like, the reason why Eddie was hesitant for them to go off and save the day the way venom wanted to were the exact reasons as to what happened when venom was out on his own to those three random people and venom didn't learn anything for that so to me that's where the humor is there but at the same time that's like you had a perfect time to to develop venom to be a little bit understanding of where eddie was coming from and they didn't do it and it all rested on Eddie apologizing without Venom learning anything. I I, yeah. I they Yeah Go
0: ahead,
1: sorry.
0: No, I was gonna say I think they just did that to get like I don't think Venom understands like this the how dire situa- the situation is at the end, but Eddie yeah. and uh Anne and Dr. Dan do. Um so like that's why he it's like, I'm sorry, but we need to go take care of this. Like, it's just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sorry, but I'm going to say I'm sorry. So we can just go fight the bad guy. Well, yeah. Like I, mean, I,
2: mean, I mean, that part was funny, but it was just the fact that like Venom was out on his own. He didn't learn anything. And where there was the potential for character growth was swept aside. And Venom was still looking for an apology. Where Venom... like More cases than not, the common thinking is that when two people have a problem, usually they're supposed to come halfway back to each other, and they both end up having to apologize about something. That didn't happen with this, because Eddie had real concerns about what would happen if they just wanted to go out and do what Venom did. And that scene, though, where Eddie was trying to apologize real quickly was hysterical, because... Eddie was trying to deal with like a five year old. <laughs> More or less.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you're. I 100% agree with you. I think it too that like this movie kind of takes the option to be like, okay, well, we developed Eddie so much in the first one. We don't really have to do that here. And we can really just play on laughs. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like any development that you w- could have had to further his character. You don't get that because it's it's played for laughs. When you look at something like other Sony movies, like you look at Spider-Man, the this, this Spider-Man duology that we've gotten so far is a great example where here you have Tom Holland's Peter Parker has development, has already established, you know, being a super wanting to be an Avenger. And that's like his whole drive for the first film. And then... The second film, he's reeling from the events of Endgame and grieving the loss of Tony Stark, while also having to, you know, navigate around teenage uh, normalcy. And but each story progresses and pushes his character development further. And that doesn't—that's not the the case with the Venom duology, where the Venom Eddie is really, really refined in the first film, and nothing seems to be refined about them in the second film now granted there is mild development because you know they do start off in one place and end in a completely separate place but so much of that development is just real sloppy and it's seems like they they focus so much on the humor rather than the actual like refining these characters
2: yeah and which is to be honest i you know even though i'm talking about you know kind of kind of crapping on you know that whole thing with Venom being on his own and not getting any development I wanted the laughs in this movie so like even though I'm critiquing this like this is kind of why I wanted to see this movie anyway was for the humor yeah so
0: part part of me wonders like if there is an extended director's cut of this if how much of that character development is in that and just got cut to get this film out when Sony wanted it out um because I also, I also think that the extended cut, if it exists, is going to be an R-rated uh, film. And it's going to give you your blood and guts there, Josh. Um, i hope so. <laughs> th- there will be carnage in that one. Um, yeah, for, for, for a film called Let There Be Carnage, there's not re- really much no carnage. carnage on, no carnage on screen. Just the character carnage. Um, so we talked a lot about the humor. Was there a... a Moment in particular that made you that st- stands out to you guys the most as your favorite comedic moment
1: of this. Ooh, that is a great question. Uh the the Mrs. Chan scene particularly I think was like uh almost had me in tears. I really liked that one. Okay. And then probably the ending where they wake up on the beach, I think was just really funny too. Okay. Ryan, how about you?
2: There's so many scenes. There are so many parts <laughs> to this that I was laughing all the way through. Um,
0: For for me. Uh, I, uh, go, yeah, go, 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 uh, go, go, go. For me, it was like the, the start of their fight in the cathedral because first you have Venom being like, oh shit, it's a red one. Like, this is way worse than I thought. And then, like, he comes back out to fight, like, time to die yeah we're gonna kill him no we are about to die like that
2: was same
1: that was a good one too yeah
2: um it had to have been where venom was making breakfast and completely destroying the kitchen while eddie's you know just sitting there But a joke that I, like, I started to laugh at and I stopped because I had to, like, think about it for a second. And then that's when a joke kills, like, that's when a joke dies for me. When I, like, start to chuckle because it's funny on the surface, but then I think about it. And then I'm like, okay, I... My giggles are gone uh, when that happens. But um, it's when he called the chickens Sonny and Cher. (laughs) Yep. Um... How much time has Venom spent on Earth? Uh, The internet's
1: a real thing. I mean... It's been a year. It's been a year. It's been a
2: year. Okay. And I know that the internet's a real thing, but would Venom be obsessed with, with all the things on the internet and all of the things that Eddie has in his head and Eddie learns in that year of all of the names that venom a, a being of his type would name two chickens Sonny and share like what? isn't there more of a more modern reference they could have done for the chickens instead of Sonny and share and
1: shape. this it's is mortal.
2: where and this is where my mind like i was like oh he called him sunny and share haha i'm like uh, hang on a second <laughs> like hang on It was just... I don't know. It didn't fit. Like, it just... It felt weird. I don't know. You guys can take that for what it is.
1: Well, so I... I also think that there's a... There's a couple of reasons why. And I think that, like... While there are more dynamic duos... There's also, like... Some of those dynamic duos are bound in copyright. So you can't say them. Like, I would argue that, like batman and robin obviously is one of the most like dynamic duels like i mean you could have like named it like jack and jill like sunny and share like yes it it seems like so random but we also see see after the uh, go ahead
0: to me it's not random like i just pulled up the lyrics to i've got you babe um and like the whole thing's about like uh being uh being together like they're stuck with each other so like the whole thing of sunny and chair and i've got you babe like it works really well for their dynamic uh,
2: there are say, other like, bands yeah. that have done songs that are similar yeah. to that i mean yeah but just huey,
0: just the i got you babe this like is i think named
2: huey lewis this chicken is named the news i,
0: I don't want to spend the next huey five lewis minutes the news, debating the names that. of the chickens like... I'm
2: just saying that for a movie coming out in 2021 and for a character that is like Venom, I get that randomness is part of the character and part of the humor, but it's like if they made this movie in the 90s and they he looked over and named the chickens Abbott and Costello. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, I think we're reaching the end of the you know, the usage of those characters as a joke. Okay,
0: Ryan, I have homework for you. When the podcast is over, I want you to just look at a picture of Eddie and Venom together and just listen to I've Got You, Babe, and just picture I them doing I the
2: song. I've seen Groundhog yeah, Day. I, it,
0: it works for their dynamic. Moving on. Uh, how do we feel about the final fight scene in the cathedral?
2: Worth it. Right. Yeah. I liked it. it
1: visually it's it's absolutely stunning i think that uh just the visuals again really up their game it's it's gorgeous it's great looking my main question is is there's a couple times where carnage calls venom father is that like like figuratively speaking like actually speaking i I
0: think it's because he was born of the venom symbiote in cletus Mm -hmm.
1: okay all right
0: um, which, makes was a, more sense. which was a really good way of them to have Venom be or Carnage be created because I wasn't yeah. sure if there was like going to be a uh, a meteor that crashed into the prison or what was going on. Um, uh-huh. Go ahead.
2: I talked to Kristen about this okay. <laughs> when I got home and she asked me something. So the reason why I'd seen this twice is because Kristen wanted to see it. And she finds it humorous, she likes it. So the first thing she asked me was, Was Carnage one of the other symbiotes from the lab? From the yeah. first one. And I said, No, he came from Eddie biting hair in a Woody's character. And she goes, and she kind of looked at me like, How does that work? So I haven't seen the first one again since I watched the second so one. The, the, are there any lab specimens still around no. before the lab gets destroyed?
0: No, they, they all die. It's Riot and Venom are the only two that survive and find hosts. I think what happens with with uh, Carnage's creation is it's the the uh, the death sentence chemicals that react with the symbiote and bring it to life. Yeah. Uh, I think that's how it happens. Like the little bit that he has in, in the blood that he ate from Eddie drink the blood that he drank from eddie is what creates him with with those chemicals as well so
2: yeah yeah and and that makes perfect sense it was just one of those things where it's like she brought that up and i was like oh hang on a second is there a plot hole here because i couldn't remember what happened to the lab and i couldn't remember how many specimens they had so i was like why couldn't they have just done that instead of doing the whole like you know vampire-esque thing but it's whatever
1: yeah um, I also bring it up because I don't know enough about the comics and was curious if you guys knew anything about the relationships in the comics. The,
2: uh, the way that I see the movies compared to the comic books, it's one of those things where if they want to go their own route on something, then I'm perfectly fine with it.
0: I, I feel I feel like the the Cartage symbiote does spawn off of Venom in multiple stories. Like, I feel like that's how the 90s cartoon did it. Uh, but it's been at least 10 years since I've watched that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's only on been 10 Disney. years since i watched it. The...
0: I know. I have. I just haven't done it. Um, I might, though.
1: Um, I'm going I, back I... and re- rewatch it. it. It still holds up if you're a Spider-Man fan. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, okay.
0: Anything else before we wrap up the stream and move on to another topic?
1: Uh, no, I, I think I'm good. I mean, unless you guys want to talk about like, and Dr. Dan real quick. Uh,
0: the only thing I can really say about Dr. Dan is one, or I guess two things. One is weird that he has the same name as my chiropractor that I called Dr. Dan. Um, (laughs) and then like my favorite moment with him was at the end when, when Venom's like, bye Dan. He's a nice I like him, but he didn't really seem necessary for that whole thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> if anything, he was more of a hindrance.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I to me like I bring him up because like much like Shriek, I feel like they didn't really need to be in this movie. Um, they just kind of felt like comic relief and but if you took them out like you could use that same comic relief for another character
0: I mean I, I feel like the Anne and Eddie relationship was so important to the first one you have to address it and I think they did a good job of not relying on it too much for Eddie's story like using her as a friend like a, uh, her, as his lawyer I think was a really smart move and I also think part of it was just they wanted to be back bring back she Venom for that
2: little bit i was very happy to see that personally um i would have seen i would have liked to see her do more i like the whole tandem venom you know thing working with two different people but i mean i i really like the humor that they brought into it um i think the best part of that humor was dan on the catwalk going sound and fire without the sound and he's pouring like uh paint thinner or whatever that was on (laughs) on (laughs) carnage
1: all
0: right
1: anything else let's let's get into this uh, okay this game changer
0: okay so real quick before before we wrap this up we are going to get into spoilers for the uh post credit scene of venom let there be carnage so we will not be streaming this if you want to see this uh, head over to our YouTube page. I will have this posted on uh, Wednesday as soon as I can, so make sure that you guys can hear our thoughts on the Venom post-credit scene. It'll have its own video. I will share the link here on Facebook, and um, if you're on Twitch, just head over to our YouTube page, hit that subscribe button, and you'll be the first to see the the our reaction to the Venom Let There Be Carnage post-credit scene. So with that, I'm going to wrap up the stream here and see you guys later on our YouTube channel. And if you're listening to the podcast, you don't have to do anything. We're just going to leave this in the podcast. So So if you are tuning in, uh, we are about to dive into our thoughts on the Venom Let There Be Carnage post-credits scene. If you want to hear our thoughts on the whole uh, film, go ahead and click the link link below to uh, hear the whole episode. Uh, you can also listen to the whole thing on wherever you, you can listen to the whole thing wherever you get podcasts. So without further ado, here we go, and we're going to get into the Venom. Let there be carnage. Post credit scene. Um, did, none of us had this spoiled for us before we saw this, right? No, I, so
1: I knew that they premiered this and like some convention in Brazil, fans absolutely lost their minds. But like posted the crap out of it on Twitter so like I actively avoided it but I I had a feeling that something somewhere it was going to tie into Spider-Man
0: yeah Uh, I went to see this with my brother who knew about it he he knew what the scene was and he's like I just I'm just here for the post credit scene I'm like okay Um, so I didn't know about it until the until I saw it in the theater with everyone else And then, Ryan, you didn't know about it, right? I... uh,
2: I had... I wasn't actively trying to stay away from anything about this movie. It's just my, you know, entertainment circles wasn't... never talked about it, so... (laughs) Okay.
0: So... If you're watching this or listening and you haven't seen the film, uh, at the end of the film, Eddie and Venom are transported into the MCU. For uh, what I assume... Is Spider Man No Way Home?
1: Can I? Can we just talk about the facts? Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but there there are interviews out there with Amy Pascal, who kind of has like been spearheading Spider Man. Says O2. Oh, oh yeah. And Kevin Feige doing interviews, and someone was like, "Is is they uh, is Venom in the MCU?" And uh, her immediate reaction was yes. And Kevin Feige's reaction is just like. What? Yeah. What?
0: No, I talked about that. I talked about that with my brother like it's amazing how far we've come since uh that was 2017 when they were doing press for Homecoming. Yeah. Um there were even interviews for this movie where they were asking Andy Serkis and Tom Hardy together like do you think Venom will ever interact with Spider-Man? And Andy Serkis and Tom Hardy was like I mean, you I don't know if anyone really wants to see that maybe somewhere down the line, it'll happen. And then Tom Hardy just looks right into the camera and goes like that. Like <laughs> it, it's like Tom Hardy has been trolled. Like I think Tom Hardy and Tom Holland uh working together before and things like lock and uh some other stuff, they have a respect for each other. I think they've wanted to, this to happen. And I, th- I think that's part of the reason it did um, but as soon as I heard J Jonah Jameson's voice, I, my jaw dropped. Like, that's what I, that's when I knew, like, as soon as I, I, I could see him, I was like, I don't remember him being that bald in the, in the thing. It's kind of hard to see him when you first see the TV, but
1: man. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, this all but confirms now that we are going to get. Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire and a slew of all of, of previous Spider-Man villains in the MCU. Now, this this I think to me what is ultimately very humorous about this is that people are like losing their minds and acting so surprised by this. But you look at everything the MCU has released this year on Disney Plus, with the exception of Black Widow, everything has been building towards a uh multiverse everything even even Shang-Chi to it to an extent has been building towards the multiverse yeah and so now this post credit scene confirming that oh they were in a different timeline i'm almost curious if like the events of this take place within the maguire because tonally speaking they're kind of on the same spot. Like I where do you guys think this originally takes place? I would
0: think it would take place in the Garfield universe over Toby Maguire cuz you already had an Eddie Brock in the Toby Maguire universe
1: there. Okay. Uh
0: you already had the Ven- Venom symbiote. I think the uh Venom's lines before they are transported about the hive mind and having all of this knowledge from across universes is key to this post-credit scene. Where he sees Spider-Man and says that guy and then licks the screen. Um, I think he, I think Venom's aware of who Spider-Man is, and I think that's going to be key going forward.
1: Or do you think that this, this, this just takes place in, in no existing universe? And I mean that, that just if shaping it, it into the MCU, if
0: it's in, it, if it was in its own universe, that's fine. If it's going to be in a universe that we've already seen. I'm going to say it's the Andrew Garfield, amazing Spider-Man universe where we haven't seen J Jonah Jameson, but the daily bugle exists. Um, And I, I, like, I I just feel like that's the universe that they would be in. If that was the
1: case, it also makes the most sense to have it in that way. Because when you think about, uh, you know, we're a couple months away from Morbius, Morbius is taking place within the Maguire universe. So that's not confirmed. it's speculated.
0: It's speculated so, well, it's weird. like I don't know what Sony's end game is. like I don't know what's gonna happen after no way home
1: because I, it's also th- weird to judge that because Morbius was supposed to come out before no way home. no
0: it was supposed to come out before Venom like that was supposed to be the film yeah. that we saw before this and I think the reason that this film, like I hinted about this a bit when we were talking about the the movie in general, but the, uh, the re I feel like the reason it's cuts, like it's so short and like Sony was kind of pushing this out is because they want to get like Spider-Man is coming out in December. They have to have this film out before then for, for it to make sense. Like there's a, that's why this film, Came out when it did, and why they kept moving around the release date uh, to be before No Way Home.
1: So, do you think in that case, like Morbius just completely stands on its own now?
0: I, I, I mean, I don't know because you have Michael Keegan in there as a Vulture, so it's it, it's hard to, it's hard to tell.
1: It, it, I mean, it could also because because there is that one particular scene that fans have screen capped and studied in the um, trailer for Morbius with uh the Maguire Spider Man. So like you said, like it's it's not confirmed but it's highly speculated. Yeah. Well I'm almost curious if like it they're spinning it now to take place after No Way Home and all of the Spider Men are gonna exist in one universe. That
0: that could be from my understanding that image of Spider Man, yes it is the Toby Maguire suit. It is the exact pose that they used for the 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 Tobey Maguire suit in the Spider-Man PS4 game. So I think that was just kind of that's just something Spider-Man that they pulled. Um, so I don't, I don't know if it I don't think it's going to be in the 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 Raimi universe. Um, but Ryan, you're being awfully quiet. Do we need to catch I have you up? Really, on
2: nothing to use see i have a line because when, when, when it comes to this stuff and you guys are right now on the other side of a fence that i okay. just am <laughs> okay. when it comes to this topic and superheroes and everything you guys are on one side of the fence and i'm on the other just kind of tw- twirling my pet okay so uh, uh then i'll
0: i'll i'll mention what you said to me when we left the theater um we get out to Ryan's car, and he's like, so what? Is this Spider-Man movie going to be like five hours long then? Yeah. <laughs> With everyone who's going to be in it. Because this is this is who we know so far. We know Jamie Foxx is in it. We know Alfred Molina is in it. And now it's safe to assume Tom Hardy's Venom is in it. So that is three out of the six that you need for a Sinister Six.
1: Oh, you think that uh, they're going to put Venom in a Sinister Six?
0: I, this, is, this is what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to have their Sinister Six sh- uh, money shot with the six villains fighting Spider-Man or Mans. And I think Eddie and Venom will realize that Peter is not the bad guy that they think he is. Uh, and then they will change teams and then go over to fight alongside Spider-Man or Spider-Man's. That's my theory.
1: So you think that it'll be six initially and then it'll be four against five? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, like, I, I don't know because, like, the the trailer has also hinted at – and it's not even speculated. And like I said, I, I don't watch a whole lot of trailers, but I did watch this one. Yeah. Um, Because, uh, honestly, like, not even being, like, that big into comics anymore, this still is one of my favorite – Um versions of this character I love Spider-Man so you have Sandman the Lizard um, Doc Ock of course uh, Electro do,
0: yeah do we have the li- Lizard though because there, there was, are screen caps that they're, I've seen. They're, but they're so dark and it looks like a character was removed from them is that where we actually get Venom instead of Lizard ooh
1: okay it's possible
0: because that, the, like looking at those screenshots, it's very hard to tell if that is lizard and they have like, I, I don't know. <sighs> like, I think the whole Kirk Connors lizard storyline can be addressed in the MCU down the lines. So I don't want, I don't really need it. Like that's such an interesting dynamic. I want to see it explored more than just in amazing Spider-Man. I, I, I kind of want that shot to be where they took Venom out of it and then, like, when they release that trailer with that shot again, you actually get to see Venom
1: coming at Peter Parker. I, I like that a whole lot more. Um, I, I do think that, like, for me, like, being a Spider-Man fan, I think that – I get a lot of crap for this, but I, I think that, like, that the Lizard's kind of wasted in that first uh, Amazing Spider-Man movie. So, like, I would want to see him, and he's such a fascinating character that I would for sure want to see him come back in the MCU.
0: Ryan, are you excited for Spider-Man No Way Home?
2: Oh, I am. I am. Yeah, it's... um, It's getting to the point with me when it comes to, like, having this show tie into this, this show also ties in, like, having two shows possibly tie into this two movies setting up for this after everything that happened between iron man and end game. And, and I know that I've been kind of making these statements since like, I think phase two. Um, I think when I first made my comment, like for about like five years ago about how it feels like these movies are coming off an assembly line to, like wh- wh- where I am now, like I'm interested in this stuff, and I and I want to see it, but it's getting to the point where if I'm going to have to watch this series and this series and this movie and this movie, so I can understand exactly what's going on in the movie that I actually do want to see, that's what's going to get me to not care about these movies pretty soon. I
0: I think what's going to happen, especially in this one. And I think, I, I, I'm fairly sure this is what's going to happen with Doctor Strange too. I think as long as you have a passing knowledge of, this is Doc Ock, this is Green Goblin, these are the actors who played them in the first films, I don't think they're going to dive too deep into, oh well, Otto Octavius was built his arms to build this reactor that he had to flood and blah 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 um, poetry. Like I, I don't think they're gonna no. deep dive into like the, the specifics of those films. It, I think as long as you have a passing knowledge of what it, what is to come before, I think you'll be okay.
2: I don't mean about like that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is having you've got you've got one division and then you're talking about got, the multiverse
0: stuff in general.
2: i'm I'm talking about building up everything about the multiverse. Yeah. And then having this set up, if this is how they're setting up this new giant storyline they're going to do and this is like a one-time thing, then that's going to be okay. But if but if this new setup with having Disney Plus and having having all these mini shows, if they're going to start incorporating all of this stuff together into like one giant thing, like at this point and this is what I meant by like you guys are on one side, I'm on the other. You guys have the knowledge you're really into this okay i'm more of just like a passing fan of this stuff i think
0: i think disney is aware of people like you and from (laughs) everything that i've seen the disney plus shows are are designed and i don't understand how exactly they are designed to go like when you go into like multiverse of madness with dr strange you won't have to have seen wandavision to understand what's happening in that film. You don't have to follow Loki. You don't have to, like you don't, it doesn't all have to make sense. Like the films are going to be designed in a way that you can watch them and get more out of it. If you've already seen those shows, but if you haven't seen those shows, you'll be okay.
1: I I think to your point, uh, that's, that's what Feige said when, when they initially came out. And I think that, that has kind of been backtracked backtrick a little bit because I think to an extent you need to know a little bit about Wanda from the start of WandaVision to the end of WandaVision to make her character make sense and madness and then I also think that you need to know the terminology at least of variants and um what it was the what's the time place the TVA is called again TVA the TVA, like I think you need to know like some of that stuff in order to, uh, but I don't think to your point. I don't think you need to watch all of it or be invested into it. But I think you have to have that general knowledge. So at l- least
0: l- just just addressing the Wandavision stuff real quick. Uh, if you go from Endgame to Doctor Strange or the Multiverse of Madness, um, and you don't watch Wandavision, you can easily have it explained away that like Wanda uh went grief crazy and like now has the dark hold and is studying the multiverse like to try to bring back vision and like trying to like the the kids thing is weird without it but like I think easily you can you can sum that up in like uh like Wong talking to Dr Strange I, I think that's something easily you can do. You miss out on the whole journey that Wanda takes in that show. um. So I guess the, I, I, I can see it happening that you don't have to watch the shows. I just look at them as extra credit, like bonus material.
2: Yeah. And we're really not going to know until the movie comes out about how they're going to handle it. Yeah. So there's that too. It's just I'm worried about because I mean, I have multiple interests and I know that you guys do too. Everybody has more than just one thing that they're really into. And it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, so I'm going to watch this on Monday, this on Tuesday, I'm going to be doing this on you know, Wednesday. And you've got all these things like planned out. And then you've got like, okay, well, I like the Marvel storyline. Now they're adding TV shows. I like the star Wars storyline. Now they're adding more stuff. And then it, It just seems like the stuff that I'm into is starting to, like, each thing is its own balloon, and each balloon is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I've got my, like, standard balloons that don't get any bigger than what they are, and they're getting, like, squeezed. And it's like, at some point, I'm going to have to pop one of these expanding balloons. (laughs) Baseball.
0: It'll be baseball.
2: (laughs) Oh, no, it won't. <laughs> no. I was say, I'm sorry, I was like, I'm sorry no. but it's going to be anything sports-related that I'm going to be letting go of. It's not going to be anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm right there with you, Ryan. Like, for me, like, I, I'm not this, like, I'm going to jump on this, like, hype train, like, right like be their opening weekend the way that i yeah. was for like the first few phases like i'm at a point now where it's like i i started faithfully watching what what if and then like i at this point i think i'm like seven episodes behind so i'm yeah, just like same here <laughs> I Get to it when i get to it man like and what, what's nice
0: about what if is it's like off on its own little thing like you don't like it's not necessary for the for the mcu in general
1: but, I mean, I do um, the same thing with, like, all the other Disney Plus shows, too. And, like, I, I think I ended up seeing, like, uh, like, Shang-Chi and Black Widow, like, two or three weeks after they had already been in theaters. Yeah, I mean, I,
0: I, I, I'm, I'm I'm still going to simp for the Marvel stuff. Like, I'm going to go opening weekend when <laughs> I can. Um, already have, like, my plans for Spider-Man worked out because I'm working on a short film that weekend. And I said to DP, who's also a big Spider-Man fan. I was like, only thing I got planned that weekend is Spider-Man. So you let me know when we're going. And immediately he's like, this is the plan. We, we film for three or four days. We wrap, we go see Spider-Man. I was like, I'm in like, like, uh, like right now I'm just trying like, uh, now I need to figure out my plans for Eternals, uh, in November. So, cause that's the thing that still is, has to happen. So, um, Come
1: to Richmond. May- maybe,
0: maybe, We'll, we'll talk afterwards, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm excited. Just I'm excited to see more Eddie Brock and Venom sooner than I expected to. Like, I did not think that he would be in this movie if he is. If he's in uh, No Way Home, then I, I cannot wait to see Venom's reaction to Doc Ock and Electro and Spider-Man and like... I, I just can't wait to see how he interacts with that universe of characters.
1: It'll be interesting. I'm not gonna lie we got so far like so far sidetracked on like our politics and views of the MCU that I totally <laughs> forgot we were here talking about that <laughs>
2: hey
0: it is what it is um anything else we want to talk about before we wrap this up all right. Well, that does it for this week's episode of You Have to Watch This Podcast. If you listen to this whole thing, thank you. Um, uh, you can like us on Facebook, find out what our episode's going to be next week. Ryan, we're doing an episode next week, right?
2: I think so. Okay, yeah.
0: Uh, with with De- Devin, will be back next week. I think it's my turn to pick something, but I, I don't know what I'm going to have you guys watch. Uh,
2: Just message us. We'll I'll, I'll
0: figure fine. it out. But if you want to find out, follow us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, Josh, where can people find you?
1: Uh, so you guys can find me personally. I'm on TikTok. It's at Gentleman Ghostface. And I'm also on Letterboxd at Captain Nostalgia. You guys can follow me at uh, – follow our follow Victims and Villains uh, to go to VictimsandVillains.net where you guys can find podcasts, movie reviews. And most importantly, our mental health resource library, along with all of our social media.
0: And once again, uh, the Horrific Hope. Do you want to touch base? Like, when can people tune in for that? Yeah,
1: so Horrific Hope is going to kick off with Alan and I talking about uh, Top 10 uh, Simpsons Trials of Horror uh, shorts beginning at 2 p.m. on October 22nd and will go until... Uh, October 24th where I will be ending the stream playing Friday the 13th right. and we'll be part of that uh, for the podcast
0: doing our Halloween uh, Halloween special special so tune in for that uh, at 8 o'clock follow uh, follow us on socials for more details on that Josh thank you for joining us and filling in for Devin um Congratulations again to Devin and Romana, who are uh, re-newlyweds. Like, I, I, they're already married, but they're. I don't know how to say mar- uh, just married in French because I don't speak French. But congratulations to them. Devin will be back next week. Um, for you to have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan.
2: I'm Ryan.
1: And I'm Josh. A- <laughs> and we
0: will see you next week, we think. Bye.